Rough year for your favorite NFL team? Join me, Danny Heifetz, along with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Krolbeck on the Ringer NFL Draft Show, where we talk about all things NFL Draft, and more importantly, how to fix your mediocre team. Check out the Ringer NFL Draft Show every Tuesday and Thursday. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's The Bear, starring Jeremy Allen White, Ayo Adebri, and Eben moss Backrack. Season two follows as the crew work to transform their grimy sandwich joint into a next level spot. It turns out the only thing harder than running a restaurant is opening a new one. Television Academy members can watch all episodes at fxnetworks.com slash FYC. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. It is Wednesday, April 5th. I try to keep the town from evangelizing for specific shows or movies. There's more than enough of that in the entertainment media ecosystem these days, to the point where I hardly believe anyone. But I do have my favorites, and one of them is a show called Dave, which returns tonight for its third season on the FXX network and streams on Hulu. It's a comedy, sort of in the vein of Kirby Enthusiasm, but following a 20-something Jewish white rapper who, for some reason, believes he's destined for stardom. When it premiered right at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, I'd never heard of its star and co-creator, Dave Bird goes by Little Dicky, and is extremely confident in his own abilities, which is pretty hilarious and weirdly emotional. He actually makes some great points about fame, celebrity culture, relationships, and being young and hungry. Dave the Show is also a pretty interesting business story, because the first season kind of came out of nowhere to become the most watched comedy in the history of FX networks. And unsurprisingly, it brought a younger demo to an outlet that tends to skew older with the prestige dramas and such. I realized it might make a good episode to bring Dave in, Talked to him about his approach to the show and his pretty unique path to stardom. He seems like an unconventional TV star, someone Hollywood wouldn't really know what to do with. But he's actually not that different from the long history of live comedy up-and-comers who craft shows around their personas. He's just a rapper, neurotic about his own penis. So today, Dave Bird, how to translate viral videos into TV stardom, and his very ambitious plan for his career beyond TV. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Dave Bird, Lil Dicky. Welcome to the show. I'm a big fan. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So we were interested in talking to you because you have kind of an interesting path to television stardom. Um, although it's funny, you get written about a lot, like it's an interesting and odd path, but it's not that different from a lot of the traditional TV stars. I mean, if you look back in the history of TV, everything, everyone from Roseanne to Seinfeld to Cosby, to, you know, people, these shows adapt a comedian's personality for television. You just took a, a little bit of an alternative ra- route in that you became a rapper instead of a stand-up. That's right, yeah. Why did you, do, why did you choose to do that? Why didn't you go the traditional stand-up route because you're very funny when you're just doing when you're just talking why did why did you go the the rapper route 
Well, first off, when I've always like, so my whole life, I've just like envisioned myself as a comedian. But when I say comedian, I never envisioned myself like on stage doing stand up. Like, that's just not the form in which I, for whatever reason, I was just like seeing screens and like, you know, TV show, movies, like that type of thing. So I just never even like in my own thoughts, like saw me on stage doing stand up. So, like, that, ha- never having that thought is probably a factor. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Um, but beyond that, I just like, I just, the way like the internet and technology and everything works, it was just, I, I knew that I had more of a chance of standing out and, and being unique because I've always loved rap. I've always loved rap music. And I, you know, I saw guys like Andy Samberg and Lonely Island doing like the comedy rap thing and really having zero competitors in the entire space and like getting a lot of success off of that. Right. And I was just like, you know, I have like the way technology works. My computer has like a built in recording studio, like, you know, 15 years ago. I don't, I, maybe I wouldn't have done it this way because I would have been like, how am I going to get studio time? But like, I just knew like the tech was there for me to like just buy like a $300 microphone and I have everything I need to like record music. And just even as far as like, I wanted to like go, like my whole thing was like, I'm going to put out like really like, you know, interesting content on YouTube that has a chance of going viral and then being seen by like the, South Park guys, the Seth Rogans of the world, and then they'll give me my big break. You know what I mean? So my whole, just the way I was raised, I guess, and like the way YouTube was, I was like, it was this go viral. It was like, right. it was like internet. It was like, how do I like break the internet? Not how do I like go on stage and hope the right guy like walks into like, if I maybe get five minutes, like you have to like work your way up to get like the five minutes on stage and like, has, I don't want to rely on someone like walking in and discovering me. Yeah. So it's, it's like the Bo Burnham did the same thing. It's like, that is the modern equivalent of getting the, the guest shot on Johnny Carson. Right. And I just didn't want to, re- I just wanted to take all of the agency and like, I didn't want to rely on someone like this walking in. I wanted to rely on like the democratization of like virality and content. And so I thought what's, What's like, I also have no money and I'm like, what is, what is like a cheap, like way that I can inexpensive when I say cheap way to get, uh, like content done. And I'm just like, well, rap videos, like in general are like pretty DIY to begin with. And like, I found a guy named Brian Storm in Oakland. He was doing all the rap videos. And I just like, I had $6,000 of my bar mitzvah money saved that <laughs> I don't know what I was going to spend it on. Like maybe a couch when I'm right. like, 25 or something and i thought you know what i'm gonna go for it and i'm gonna just spend a thousand dollars and make a music video and do that like three times and you know that was just the route i chose and the first day i put anything online it got a full million views plus in the first 24 hours with like no anything behind it other than me emailing my friends and being like please share and so it was just very validating right away and i was like good i'm on to something that's amazing so you talk about the democratization of content and the fact that you were able to go viral and build an audience. There is still that gatekeeper when you want to transition to television. Somebody has to say yes to you to get a television show. So explain to me the pitch for Dave. Yeah, well, first off, two things. One, I knew that I wasn't as a just, you know, rapper uh, able to just be like, give me, a, you know, $30 million to make a TV show. Trust me. So I knew I had to, like, find a partner who had done it before, who, like, could essentially be, like, I don't want to say a babysitter, but someone who, like, the industry trusts to, like, you know, if I'm giving the keys to this kid... Let's make sure we have like someone overseeing it who's made TV before. And then I thought, well, who is the best in the world at that? And I was like, well, I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. Who's doing that for Curb? And then I reached out to Jeff Schaefer, uh, who like, you know, created the show The League. He like runs 
superb. He did, you know, he's a true legend. And I met with him and I, did he know who you were? No, he didn't know who I was, but I've always like, look, my like core truth for better or for worse is like, I've always in my heart believed that I'm destined to be one of the biggest stars in the world with, right. abs- with nothing to base that on. Um, <laughs> That's sort of the premise of the show. It is. And I, like, I, when I say things like that, I'm not saying it in a way where I, I'm like, wow, like I'm so cool that I have this talent. I'm like truly as a neutral bystander, like I find it funny and like absurd that I feel that way. Like I'm able to be aware of like how ridiculous that is, but I really do feel it. I'm not manufacturing that feeling. That's how I feel. And I was able to convey all this to Jeff and be like, you know, I I don't think that we can just make a good TV show. I think I could, it could be like the best show like ever. And me just explaining my whole thing, he found on its face, like very funny in its own right. Like the fact that this kid can walk in and believe that he's the next Larry David and the next Drake, like at the same time. And he's just like a neurotic Jew who's done nothing other than like a few, you know, viral rap videos. And so then all of a sudden I got Jeff Schaefer on board and then it's a whole different ball game. Sure. And it's like, I walk into any room and just so you know, like, I, I don't think I shine in any better way than I do in a pitch. Like that's like my sweet spot. Of Why? Like, Why is it so great? Most people hate pitching. Oh, I love it. I wish I could do it more. <laughs> I, I, uh, I just like, I pride myself in like, you know, being uh, charming and like being, but not in like an, uh, a way that's uh, abrasive. And I really do speak what I feel and I'm very honest. And I think when I just go in and I present all the facts at hand and I like acknowledge that the facts at hand are funny and I, my, my pitch in general is like a scene in the show because there's a man in there saying all these ridiculous things, believing it, and you can't help but be like, wow, this is like very entertaining to watch and very interesting that he feels that way. And a part of me (laughs) somehow, for some reason, kind of believes that he might be right. And I feel like that was like the general vibe and I pitched everywhere and I love public speaking. And uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed that process. So you go everywhere. How'd you end up at FX? Because I've talked to people there who have said like, this pitch was amazing. Like every, of course, everyone wanted to buy it. Yeah, well, FX was my first pitch. Okay. I didn't know where I wanted to go, honestly. And, but I like, you know, for starters, I like the people in the room. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought, like, these people are cool. And I like, you know, FX is a brand, like, historically, I really respect their taste. Like, you know, shows like Louie. Like, I was just like, I feel like that show really, like, set, like, an imprint in me. And, uh, you know, shows like Atlanta, like, really, like, like that show. Auteur driven, comedic auteur driven shows. Comedic auteur driven. I I had heard that they have a uh, pretty big, like, um, vibe as far as letting the creator do their own thing, which to me, like, entering the space, like, you know, I could never imagine making music where, like, a record label's being like, yeah, like, but change this hook and do it. Like, I, I, you know, I could, so entering TV, I was like, who are these executives that are going to be giving me notes and, like, I'm supposed to adhere to them, and I don't even know if these people are funny or, like, you know, so that was a big fear. (laughs) And... And A, I learned that they were like, they allowed people, like their creators to do what they want to do. But B, when they do weigh in, it's like, I can't even, 70% of like their notes at least are like good notes that are add value to like the final 70%. That's a pretty good percentage, especially for a guy like you. I've heard that you are, I mean, not in a bad way. You're very controlling over the product. You have total ownership. You pick every director, you, you know, pour over every word. Uh, 70% is not bad. 
I'm, I'm blown away by it. And mm-hmm. it's like, so they're an added value partner in which I, I'm just like, you know, it's nice to be able to send them a cut and the, then they provide this different perspective and I see, and then just everything gets improved and we just have a great working relationship. And I am very controlling and I do have like, you know, I, I care about every detail of the show. And I think that's a big reason why the show is so what it is because I, I don't mail it in. I, I truly do like every single facet from production design to score to cinematography. Like I couldn't care more about every detail. It's like literally my life's work. The show's called Dave, you know, like my name right. is really on the line. You've got a pretty unique group of producers on this show, uh, including Kevin Hart. How did you get Kevin Hart to produce? Kevin Hart, idolized Kevin Hart, always like, you know, I'm from Philadelphia. I've always like, so I, I've had, I met him when he was on his bachelor party. Like I was performing at a pool party in Las Vegas just as a rapper. And then all of a sudden I hear like a roar from the crowd and I'm thinking it's just because of I'm doing well as a rapper. But lo and behold, Kevin Hart's actually on stage with me and he's like hype manning my entire show. And then we hung out oh, afterwards. That's cool. And he said, hey, if you ever do a TV show, let me produce it. He didn't say that, but it, it was like, <laughs> let's keep in touch. No, Kevin, man, that guy is all over the place. And like, he has this, like, that, he has, does, he's got like an empire, he's like empire building, truly. So I think right. when he met me and he liked me, it was like, he's very, you know, network oriented. He was like, let's keep in touch. And we did. Uh, and, uh, you know, Marty introduced me to Jeff and like that relationship was like through Marty. And um, so there's, I just knew that I needed people on board that not only that uh, the network could trust, but also that could really help me. Cause like as much as I have an opinion, as much as I'm impassioned in my beliefs, I also have no context and I have no, no idea what I'm doing initially, to be quite frank. <laughs> you <laughs> talked about how Kevin's an empire building guy. You at least so far are not, you have done this show. And I've talked to people that say that you, if you wanted to, you could write film scripts on the side, you could do other acting things. I mean, you're in this new Coke campaign, but other than that, like you've really just focused on this show. It seems. Well, the show takes a, an incredible amount of time, like the, the hands-on nature at which I am. It's like really like when the show starts, it's like an 11 month process where starting four months in the writer's room, I could, I'm in there every day. I'm not just like checking in to see how, like how it's going. Like I'm there every single minute of the day. Then we shoot the show. I'm in every scene and like, you know, a big part of the directing of all of it, big part of everything. Then we edit the show. I'm the only guy in post. Like I'm in the edit every single day. Like I'm com- composing all the score with the composers. Like every, I, I'm working like 15 hour days for like 11 months straight, like borderline six, seven days a week. There's really not a lot of time. And when I do have that time, man, I got a whole rap career that I really want to like, and I haven't like, my fans are pretty dissatisfied as far as the music side of it, because I've been so focused on the show. It's not that I'm not interested. I'm not like, I'm never going to be probably like an empire builder because I I really do care like so much about, I want to be associated with just like pure greatness. And I, and I plan on doing it and I plan on like, you know, stretching out to different things and and starting my own production company. But I think I'm just going to be very selective and and very specific about what I'm involved with. You mentioned that you haven't pursued film. Do you think that, what's the state of film comedy right now? We talk about that a lot on this show. Do you think that if you came up with a great high concept film idea that would star you that a major studio would put um, you at the center of a theatrical movie release or has, has that ship sailed? I mean, we don't, you don't see that much anymore. These, uh, you know, uh, up and coming comedy stars getting their own movies. Well, all I can do is speak for myself. I, that ship definitely hasn't sailed. I feel as though (laughs) when I decide to make movies, I'm going to be able to 
do what I want. In that honestly, I feel like I, I do really you have feel, an idea. Yeah, I'm working on a script right now. I don't want to. I don't really want to get into the details of it. But for, I, I feel like when I'm dead and like you're looking back on my career, I think like the whole second half of my career is going to be like very movie based. And really, I look, I look at a guy like Ben Stiller as someone I really admire their career path, where it's like leading man of like the most generational comedies like and and then and then he just transitions and becomes one of the best directors like of our era you know and that's i'm very like before this like when i came into this i was like i'm a comedian and now i totally see myself as a filmmaker and a writer you got a severance in you i i feel as though i could yeah i i don't want to set any limits you know like i didn't even know that i was capable of being a, a musician and i have like a you know, I go on tour and like have platinum songs. Like I never want to put a limit on what I'm, what I can do. But I, mean, I think film and TV and, and writing, that's so much more naturally what I'm born to do and in my wheelhouse than like music. Uh, I think music, I had to really 10,000 hour rule, work my way to become a rapper to the point where I can like feel good about what I'm playing for people. You know, you're seeing my very first attempt at anything in the medium of television in the sh- this show, Dave. And I feel right. really strongly that it's a, a great product. And I feel the sky's the limit for what I can do with movies. And I'm excited about that. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. People must come up to you all the time and be like, okay, hey, I'm a rapper. I do this, this, this. Like, what do you say to people like that? Hey, I've got a video. Hey, I've got a song. Hey, I'm trying to do what you did. Oh, I say, I, I say, send it to, like, yeah, like, send it to my manager's email. Like, you know, I try not, and and then they will, and I'll watch it. And You watch, you watch things that people hand you on the street. Yes, 100%. Have you ever seen anything that said, this is great. I'm going to pass them along to my guy. Not really, but I've I've heard some rappers that I'm like you're you should, you're a, you're a really good rapper, you're really talented, and I, I'll give them feed. Yeah, I've heard like less comedy, more like I've heard music that I respect. But yeah, I I I, I was that I would have been that guy who would have been like begging Seth Rogen to like you know just please watch this Instagram video. So it's like I always honor that anyone who comes up to me on the street who has something. I really feel like the cream can rise now, and things are surprisingly possible. Uh, with the amount of content that's created, like there's mm-hmm. so much stuff. So I, uh, I feel like it's my duty to, in any way, I'm not like proactively like scouting, like going, but like, if like, I, I love, I love interacting with people and I like, it's like so easy for me to like make people's days better by just being a nice human being. Like that's such a gift that I'm in that position where all I have to do is be a reasonable, nice man and it will have an impact on someone. But then you've written these entire episodes of your show where that kind of goes horribly wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, now certainly as much as I believe in humanity, there's definitely like quirky people out there. There's definitely a lot of time, like I've had, you know, I have Pete, like I'll, I'll be walking on, on to my tour bus and like literally like a, a a guy and a girl will be there and it's like the guy will be like, yo, like my sister would totally fuck you. Like bring her on the bus, like she'll fuck you. And like I'm like looking at like the sister right there and she's like just like smiling and i'm just like it's so weird and uh, people never underestimate like how 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 fame can make people go crazy in a certain way right and we really examine a lot of that this season both like in my character's quest for fame but in just like our society is like you know right now we're at a point where like everybody kind of wants to be their own famous person look at tiktok look at the way we do social media it's like we all have this like true obsession to being liked and I think now more than ever, there's like visual evidence of like that with the Instagram. And that's like before it was just like a sentiment. Now it's like a true, like commodified thing. Yeah. And you it's almost like you kind of hover above all that. Like, are you you're not a big social media guy? I mean, you're on there and you do stuff, but I would not qual I would not say you are a guy who has built his audience on social media. Yeah. Initially, like early on, I think with the YouTube. I was pretty active and yeah, I, 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 you know, I might, I'm considering getting on TikTok right now just to see what's going on because, mm. you know, doing it in my own way, of course, but uh, it's a powerful tool. How long do you see Dave going? I, I, I don't know. I don't know that answer. Um, I definitely don't think season three is the end of the show. I have broader ideas of like, you know, series like arcs um, that I want to execute and I'll never have such a fruitful thing like this as far as like being able to pull from my life, you know, right. and like actually like do it's never will anything be more in my natural wheelhouse than like the show Dave about like my actual life, you know, and every season to me, like we kind of like untap a new potential of what the show can be like this season. I really think where it goes by the end, I can't like if you I wish you had seen the whole season because I, like me, I do too. Yeah. The ending, like where we it's like well, it's it really is like it's like where do you go from here type of vibe, like as far as like how great it becomes, and that's so exciting to me. Um and but, I but you know, Larry's been doing his show for 25 years. That that's not gonna be this show. I don't think this is a 25 season show, no. <laughs> what does Jeff say about that? Because you know, Larry, Larry does Larry says this is it and then he goes off and he gets ideas and then he said okay no we'll do another yeah i mean i can't imagine being jeff schaefer truly like running two of like the bigger comedies like one with like two controlling neurotic Jew like you know like that's such an interesting place to be like right in the middle of me and larry david it's a skill set it is a skill set he is like <laughs> he, is, he is a i always say he's the bill belichick to my tom brady um, um has larry watched your show i believe he's watched it but i'd be lying if i said like i've received like an abundance of praise directly from Larry David. I think, I've, I think Jeff has said something like, yeah, he watched it. He likes the show or like something like that. But I, no moment has been like that. That's like the moment of my life I've been waiting for with Larry David. You have not received the golf invite at the Riviera. No, 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 no. <laughs> I did one time, uh, like, you know, cause Larry, they, they work out of the, their office and I'm in there and I'll like, you know, interact with him in the kitchen and like, you know, sure. Those are moments that I've like, I'll, I'm more than satisfied with just like us talking about the expiration dates of granola bars, which is, right. you know, that's, I can't believe that just whenever I see him, I like, it really is star striking type of like yeah. that guy, my idol. 
I have asked for a photo with exactly two celebrities in my life. And I, through my various jobs, I have not, I've met a lot of them. The only two I've ever asked for a photo with were Larry David and Oprah. That's fair. That's good. <laughs> it's good taste. Um, all right. Well, I feel like uh, there is a class of person in Hollywood that is just not aware of your show or has, you know, say, oh, it's it's penis jokes, not for me. Yeah. And I, I feel like I am frustrated on your behalf. Thank uh, you. At those. Um, Thank what, you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I totally look, I totally understand just if you'd ever heard of me and you see a guy named Lil Dicky and it's like a white rapper and the billboards, right. a guy coming out of the thing like I could totally wrap my head around being like, I'll dismiss this as something that's lowbrow. But genuinely, I, I, I have so much confidence that I don't care who you are. You sit down and watch the show. You're going to like this show. I, I think it's like objectively a well, like a really well-made show that does so many different things. Like I, I, I really don't want to make just a goofy comedy. I want to like have emotionally complex characters and nuanced scenes. And I go so hard and I, I, I do, I just want everyone to just give it a shot because I, 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 don't you feel like if people just gave it a shot and it's not like people don't, like it's a very widely watched show, but I, I hear you and I agree with you about a certain type of person in Hollywood that might dismiss it. But if they saw it, like, I, I feel like to me, it's as good as TV can get. I know I shouldn't be tooting my own horn, but that's how I feel. <laughs> Objectively excellent, says the creator of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are some industry fans that might surprise me? emails you've gotten or people i know that like look like ben stiller like who's like i told you like the guy that like i like he like you know proactively reached out to me to and, and just coming from him it's like so meaningful because he's not just a comedian and legend he's like a true filmmaker he knows what's funny too yeah that's truly what gives me the most confidence is like when i like these guys in the industry people like leonardo dicaprio people like chris rock just calling myself like they people proactively like reach out to me to be like what you're doing is like special yeah. and i've gotten that validation from like you know, like the Billy Crystals of the, like, just like the Julia Louise Dreyfus, like, like the people that I idolize the most have like really reached out and like been like, Dave, I want you to know like what you're doing. Like Lena Dunham, who I, I think girls is like a huge inspiration for me. All these people have like just gone out of their way to like reach out to me and be like, I love what you're doing. And that means more to me than anything. The confidence thing is hilarious too, because it, Hollywood is such a famously insecure business and everyone is constantly afraid that, you know, this, next thing they do is going to be their last. Like I was listening to this interview with Ben Affleck the other day and you know, he's got this movie coming out and he seemed genuinely insecure about <laughs> the career prospects of Ben Affleck. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Like yeah. you're Ben Affleck. You're going to work. It's okay, buddy. I'm surprised. Cause he's like, he's another example of a guy who can just like direct, directed a best picture. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and at the premiere of his movie, he like genuinely seemed kind of nervous and he wanted to know how it was going to play. And I get it. You put something out there. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to be nervous about it. But um, you come at this from, you know, I'm the king of the world. You're Jim Cameron and you haven't broken any records yet. <laughs> I just look at the footage and the product and I'm like, and then I look around and I see what's it being compared. And I just feel like this is great. Yeah. Um, and maybe the, I'm sure there'll be a time where I make something and it's not exactly what I wanted it to be. And I will be a little more insecure, but so far the stuff that I'm like season three, I'm sitting here in the edit room and I'm just like floored at like how satisfied I am. And when I'm satisfied, my bar is so high that for me to be satisfied, that means I like, so no matter what anyone says, I know that like what we've achieved this season is like, phenomenal. Wait till you get into the film business. 
and the focus group comes back and they're like, yeah, we didn't Oof. love the penis joke at minute 27. Could we like, you know, maybe go another direction? Yeah. I'm hopeful that maybe I'm not, I couldn't be more naive. Like that's a beautiful thing about me is that I'm so not jaded by the industry because I've like never had the experiences of like being drugged through the muck of everything. But I'm hopeful that people are able to see like, oh, that's a guy who like totally can like write, direct, create, star in a thing. I trust him in a way that like maybe someone who was doing just one of those things wouldn't get that that leash. All right, Dave Bird, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. Have a good day, everybody who's listening. All right, we are back with the call sheet. Craig, you excited for Super Mario Brothers? Honestly, yes. It's This feels like the first movie to me <laughs> that really plays to my childhood nostalgia. But everybody's childhood nostalgia. It's mine. It's like yours. It's you know, my kid loves it. Like that's pretty strong IP if it spans generations. Yeah, totally. I just don't remember something that I loved so much in the 90s that is being made into something now other than Mario. Yeah, well, the tracking is about 125 domestic Oof. for the weekend, uh, which is high, but- It's five days. Yeah, it's over the five day. It opens tonight, actually. And I'm going to take the over. Yeah. I know Universal thinks this is going to be like one of the biggest movies of the year. Lucas took it number one in our movie draft. So for his benefit, it's got to be up there. And the budget's only $100 million. At least that's what Universal says. They split it with split it 50-50 with Nintendo. So this could end up being a gigantic cash cow. There will be sequels for many years. And I think I would be very surprised if it doesn't get to 125. Also, it's an hour 32. I mean, who's yes. not going to go see that? I know. Helps a lot with the kid. And also, Air is short. Air is an hour 52. When is the last time two huge movies were releasing in theaters and both were under two hours? More, please. I know. More, more, more. I know. they got. I, I feel like the backlash to the three-hour movie is coming. It may be, maybe not for some of the bigger summer blockbusters, but they got to bring this down. It's like baseball. They're going to realize that people are much more into a two-hour, 45-minute baseball game than a three-and-a-half-hour baseball game. Like, keep them under two hours, and your box office goes up. Well, Killers of the Flower Moon would like to have a word with that <laughs> take. I know, I know. Uh, listen, four hours for a Scorsese movie, fine. Go five. How about six? You should do another prediction one day because that is a ridiculous speculation. There's no way that movie's four hours. We should do a prediction of how long we actually think that movie's going to end up. Wait, really? You don't think? I mean, listen, it's a streaming movie. It could go forever. They want engagement. They want people to have time spent on the platform. There's, there's no way that movie's four hours. We'll see. Three hours and 15 minutes to me is, is, is the cap. You can't go higher than that. It will turn people off. The key here is someone would have to say no to Scorsese. And who is that person going to be? But where's the line? He's like, hey, I have a six-hour movie. There is no line. You, you say no. You say no, and you're out. He'll move on to the next person. He'll find independent financing. The next guy will take the movie. Do you think Netflix, like, when they saw that The Irishman was three and a half or whatever it was, do you think they were like, oh, that's okay? You know, uh, there's a reason why these movies are not for theatrical distributors. Because if you're Paramount, you can't put a four-hour movie in theaters. Well, Killers will be in theaters, though. It will, but it won't do numbers in, in, in any significant way, I don't think, unless they bring it down or unless these rumors are not true and uh, it's not four hours. But you go over three hours, 3.30, and you really start to hurt box office. 
And I say that even though Avatar, you know, is the third highest grossing Avatar 2 is the third highest grossing movie of all time and it was 315. That's right? an outlier though. That's an outlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Dave Bird. I want to thank producer Craig Holbeck. And I want to thank you. We will see you tomorrow. 